Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Box to Box. Uh, I am your host today, Nicholas Karapola, joined by the usual two, Ramzan Kamodo and Sopan Inchawe. Greetings, everyone. Great. So uh, yeah, this is our this is our fourth episode, and honestly, we we've been keeping up the momentum. We've been giving this out week after week, like we promised, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, thank you for everybody that's been listening over the past three weeks. We really do appreciate it. And uh, let's get started, guys. Um, first of all, uh, obviously, this week has been dominated by none other than, well, some people might call it the most devilish circumstances in world football. And that's the European Super League. <laughs> what 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 do we have left to say about this? Because... Ramzan even I'm mentioned. Sorry. Ramzan even mentioned it's. It feels like it's old news already. Football's moved on. <laughs> right, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. The story can start on Sunday. We're recording on Sunday, and we we had like just gotten like information, like the first bits of information, uh, and we had to put it in the pod. Yeah, we had mm. to put it in the pod, but, you know, because we're like, oh, okay, we can't, we can't leave it out now. But we didn't know, we didn't know much about it, and then like two or three days later, it's over. Like it's crazy. Like. Like we feel like even talking about it, talking about it now, we don't even want to spend too much time on it because Sky Sports and all these and all these other media houses have been on it basically this whole week. But yeah, anyway, Nick, just just give us just tell us what happened basically over over the week. Basically, it was it was never gonna work. As in, Arsene Wenger predicted it twelve years ago that these uh you know the biggest teams in world football will break away because of you know ownership changes and try making a league which would basically self-sustain the biggest clubs in the world. But I think um, maybe the biggest argument for the big teams is that, you know, they needed, particularly, I would say the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid needed it the most because of the financial problems that they've been having because of COVID. And I've been hearing from Arsenal and Liverpool and all these other English teams that they just simply didn't want to be left out in basically the mega deal of the century. But other than that, I don't really, I don't really see any reason why this should happen. But then, what really shocked me, which I just want a quick word from you two guys, yeah, is that Florentino Perez's comment, since he's basically the architect of all of this, Papa Perez, he said we have to think about why 16 to 24 year olds are no longer interested in football. I want to save football. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, the guy, the guy's got. Uh... He has a point. No, he doesn't have a point. So, so <laughs> No, he doesn't. He does have, have a point. point. I, 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 don't, I don't agree. I don't agree that every week. I don't want to watch Real Madrid versus um, um, Manchester United every single week. The, but the, you will. The, what makes what whether makes you want games... to or you won't, you don't want to. You're gonna watch that game. You're not gonna miss <laughs> what, that game. That's his point. What, what makes those games interesting is the fact that they happen. You know. You know. So so in, in you know in in a calendar year they happen like two or three times. You know the that rarity in those games is also what uh, uh, makes it interesting. So Ramzan, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that point is true. I don't agree. Ramzan, Arsenal's playing Juventus, followed by Barcelona playing Inter. Are you not gonna watch both those games? You would, you would you get tired. You would games? get tired. You would get tired of that. And the Champions League is already is already that. And and, and okay, Nicholas, just before you continue, this is the the biggest issue that I had with all this Super League stuff, right? Is that the Premier League and the Champions League guys, this this all comes down to money. You know, they know that Super League coming in means that 
means that uh, revenue is being taken away from them because they were trying to, I think, broker some deals with uh, uh, international, some international broadcasters so that people can be able to watch on their laptops and, and on their phones, right? Because Amazon did actually release a statement saying that they are not gonna, they are not gonna uh, provide that service. But that's what that's what they were trying to do, uh, so that so that people in the far east and all all these different places that can't get like Sky Sports uh, are also able to watch this game. So I mean, at the core, at the root of this, right? This is money, and this is not just money in that the Super League teams, you know, they they want all this money, which they do. But it is also taking away money from the Premier League and taking away money from uh, the Champions League. Uh, in in the so yeah, sorry, I continue. understand. I understand how they're robbing the Champions League, but their 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 plan was to still continue playing domestic football. Okay, and but then I don't, I don't but then what it's... happened? But then what happened uh, uh, in the middle of the week is uh, one of the one of the the guys I don't know I don't know who it was. I was watching this a lot on on Sky Sports, but he said something like the plan for the Super League was that the Super League games are gonna take like like lead importance, right? So if these happen like every week. I don't know how many games it was supposed to be throughout the calendar year, but if these happen like every week and Manchester United has to play Juventus on, on Wednesday and then they play Burnley on Saturday, they're going to feel the weaker team like uh, for Burnley and play their strongest team on Wednesday, right? The way that they already do with Champions League sometimes. So the problem with that is now you're going to see, if I, want, if I want to watch a United game, I want to watch Bruno Fernandes. Right, so I'm not gonna watch the Burnley game because against Burnley they're gonna field all the under 23s and 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 all these other players that I don't really care to see. And then on Wednesday is the game that I'm gonna watch. So it is gonna affect it is gonna affect yeah, yeah, yeah. their viewership and their ratings. So all all of this, right? The, the reason that the Premier League had a problem with it, the reason that UEFA had a problem with it, is because it was gonna mess up their money. Right, I understand uh, UEFA, the, definitely. the fans. <laughs> yes, UEFA definitely. Now I understand the uh, the UK uh, fans, the hardcore fans, right? Uh, those that believe that Leeds, not believe, but they understand that Leeds is a very big team and things like that. Uh, I understand that. Yeah, I understand that for for those guys, it was much much more different. It came down to football heritage and and all this and that. But I'm I'm Malawian. I don't really care about that. I do want to see <laughs> see good games. And when I just look at things, you know, behind the covers and when I look at all these officials for who they really are, it's all about money. So why the Premier League had an issue with it and why UEFA had a problem with it is because of money. So, yeah, they shouldn't talk like like we care about the fans or whatever. That's what they're going to say. But at the end of the day, it was about money. So Nick mentioned yeah. earlier something about how um, with Paris said that they're legally binded so these teams can't leave the Super League. What's that about? I don't know about that. I don't know about that, eh? Uh, you know, t- terms like that are kind of funny. Legal, legally binding, but then it's not going to start anytime soon. They usually get suspended instead of, instead of disbanded. <laughs> instead of disbanded. So I, I'm not sure. I don't understand. It seems as though they, they won't give up on it, clearly, especially Florentino Perez. Uh, and also we have to consider Barcelona and Real Madrid have not actually left the Super League, but then... Uh, we'll see how it goes, but uh, at the end of the day, we can say that you know football's been saved, everything should be all right. However, we do have a new Champions League format to actually speak about, and oh yeah, I th- interesting. There is something which I do have to mention that this could actually be a lesser evil than the Super League because the new Champions League format entails that the Champions League will actually become a Champions League. It will be a thirty-six man league. 
in comparison to the 32 teams that have always competed. Except this time, there's no group stages. It is literally a 36-team league, all the way from position one to position 36. You play, you play everybody once. There's basically like about four added games in the, in the entire calendar for teams. And what happens is, is that the top eight inside the league automatically qualifies to the last 16, while the teams that go from 9th to 16th will play the teams that are on 16th to about, if I'm not mistaken, uh, how, many, how many teams is there? Probably 16th to 25th. Yeah, basically like the, I think, yeah, an eight, eight versus eight. They'll have like a playoff. Basically. Yeah, they'll have a playoff. They'll have a playoff, basically. For their, for, for their remaining spots. And in all honesty, I think it's actually a great concept when you think about it because, you know, now the, the name makes more sense. Uh, and also, you feel as though if you do win that sort of Champions League, it'll probably be more legit than uh, sneaking your way into finishing second and somehow yeah. your luck to get into the final like Tottenham Hotspur did a couple of years ago, and then you get beaten in a way whereby you have no, there was literally no reason for you to be there at all. No flukes. Has this new uh, setup uh, changed anything in the Europa League or is, this setup, is Europa still the same? It, it has. It has changed a few things. The reason why I think this is considered as a lesser evil to the, cha- to the, you know, to the European Super League is that now... Arsenal, Tottenham, and teams which have been consistently finishing outside of the top four no longer have to finish in the top four to be in the Champions League. They're using a new system known as the uh, European Club Ranking Coefficient, which literally means that so long as you finish in a European place, based on merit, you will be in the Champions League, which means that West Ham can finish fourth, but Arsenal can finish sixth. But because Arsenal is... Uh, higher in the European coefficient ratings, Arsenal being the Champions League, West Ham will go down to the Europa League. That's how it works. So now, like, some with funny, the Champions some League format, stuff, man. <laughs> do, do any, which clubs will now get knocked down to Europa League? That basically, format? basically, it'll, it'll take everybody in a bunch. You have to make sure you finish in a European place. So basically, the amount of teams that are going to the Europa League, the amount of teams that are going to the Champions League is the same. The only difference is, is that you have the top seven, sorry, I think it goes up to like eight places. Um, you have the top eight European places, right? And basically, based on where you stand at the coefficient ratings, four of them, or even five of them, will go to the Champions League while the other three go to the Europa League. So most of the time, more often than not, Spurs and Arsenal will get into the Champions League if they can finish a minimum of seventh, you're not getting oh, okay. my question. I, 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 okay, but I, I actually didn't. Uh, I know what you're asking, Sovani, but I, I didn't yeah. um, understand that uh, coefficient part. Uh, what's it? The, the coefficient ranking part. Uh, isn't it that the top four teams will still be in the Champions League? So regardless of whether West Ham, like if West Ham finishes fourth, they are going to be in the Champions League. Um, but it's that if the teams like Arsenal and like Tottenham finish outside the top eight, as you're saying. Um, no, so they no, don't no. qualify for Europe. They don't I'm qualify for Europe. I'm trying to Europe, understand why Spurs... But then what, they've got... What I'm trying to say <laughs> is... What I'm trying to say is you can't get into Europe if you don't finish in a European place. That's what oh, I'm trying okay. to say. That means okay. you can't finish... If you finish outside the top eight, you're not going to Europe. It doesn't make sense. But what I'm okay. saying is, is that if you finish in a European place, then what sort of happens is, is that 
if there's a smaller team that has taken your place somewhere in the top eight, then the chances are is that West Ham will not automatically go into the Champions League, it seems, if they finish above Arsenal in a European place inside the top eight in and around there, is what I'm trying to say. Mostly because they don't have enough merits to get into there because they haven't been winning trophies. They haven't been finishing there every single season. So that means that they'll probably go into the lower divisions. Speaking of trophies, why has a big team? I don't don't know why. They'll put the Super League and now you're speaking of Spurs being uh, given a Champions League sport due to merit. What have they done in the last 15, 20, 30 years? Nothing. I think, I, I don't know, I don't know how they're so high in the coefficient, but then obviously reaching the final oh, in recent times, <laughs> reaching the final in recent times has helped, I suppose. And they've been getting in there like most, most of the time. So it makes sense. I think they yeah, just have some guys. very rich owners. Yeah, <laughs> if that's yeah, the case. But then I think that's uh, the last word I can say for this UCL new format, but then I think we'll probably hear more about it later on when uh, it materializes a bit more, but it's interesting. So I think we should get to the next segment. Yeah, uh, just before we get to the next segment, uh, I, 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 this UCL stuff, there is, there is like there's like a lot, right? There's a lot and there's, there's a lot that we haven't um, even like uncovered here and maybe some, some of the things we haven't uncovered properly. Uh, my big thing still with this is I think of the players because I'm a player myself. Um, mm-hmm. it's a hundred more games. I think it's something. It's something like a hundred more games. Uh, for I think I think I saw Gundogan said something like that. And the players last season with all the COVID stuff, you could still see how tired they were. Last week I mentioned how tired I saw Modric was after after having all those uh Champions League and then World Cup and then El all Classico. this and that. El Clasico. I don't see. I don't see how like a hundred more games like. Improves improves the quality squad of games. Depth. You know, yo, but squad depth, squad depth to to what extent? We're gonna start seeing a lot more injuries. We're gonna start seeing, um, and then if now if you if your team now has injuries and then you don't want to have um Carlos Vinicius playing up front because you want Harry Kane to play there, but then if Harry Kane is injured now uh, and then he can't you know perform to the best of his ability in the Champions League, then then what? Then why have you put this thing in there? You know, these guys are being treated like. Um, like robots, honestly. I, I I would like to see how it's gonna happen. I think that I think that it's it's harsh. I think that it's harsh. I think that they should they should actually find ways to make these competitions more attractive. Twenty twenty four. Please, they must. They must find ways to make this thing more attractive. Yet still thinking about the welfare of the players. So yeah. Okay, so for this next segment, um. As usual, I've actually done some work uh, while these other two haven't done any work, uh, and I've actually like I've actually like thought very deeply about the teams over the last ten years that have made me feel special about football. Right now, in a lot of sports, for uh, football, and I use basketball as an analogy a lot. There've been some players or some you know tactics, formations, and systems that have kind of revolutionize revolutionized the way that uh, the sport is played in basketball uh, obviously the three point shot has always existed but no one people weren't shooting threes the way they shoot threes now and that's largely due to Steph Curry i'm sure we can all agree with that and it's the same for football there's some players that have that have done that that have played football in a certain type of way um, that has kind of changed the way that 
that we see football. Uh, the best example that I can give that I, I'm actually not going to talk about in the main part of the segment is Makelele and like the Makelele role, basically. Um, the defensive midfield position has always existed in football, but the way that he played defensive midfield was just so different and and it, it kind of like sparked inspiration, I'm sure, for Kante and and uh, uh, Casemiro yeah. and other defensive midfielders like that. Right. So I'm I'm kind of now in the part in the uh, the part of this part that I'm going to talk about is going to focus on teams that have either changed football completely to me or teams that have just been very special, like in my eyes over the last ten years. Right. They're obviously going to be like some honorable omissions, and I'm sure that uh, my colleagues are going to talk about those teams. And obviously, if you if you have other opinions, I mean, this is. I don't know, 20 teams in the Premier League and all these other teams and all these other leagues. And then now, year by year, if you feel like there's another team that's more special than the teams that I've mentioned here, please let us know or have your opinions. This, these things are just to start conversation in any case, right? So I'm going to get right to it. And the first team that I have, really in no particular order, but maybe this team would still be number one, <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is I've, got, I've called it the Xavi Barcelona or the Pep Guardiola Barcelona, or the Tiki Taka Barcelona, whichever whichever one works for you, right? And this team kind of like, you know, it, it needs no explanation, right? Tiki Taka was like the biggest thing in the early 2010s. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know Spain. if there's been, you know, you know a, style, a stylistic uh, uh, kind of name for, for a certain type of, for a certain type of playing style. Um, as associative, you know, to a team, the way Tiki Taka was associated to Barcelona. You know, Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets broke a lot of midfielders' hearts. There are a lot of midfielders that <laughs> don't, get, don't get the praise that they deserve uh, because of just how good they Because of those, and, because and of that trio. Yeah, yeah. This, it, was, it, it was incredible. Everyone, everyone, I remember being in early high school, everyone wanted to play Tiki Taka. Uh, you can even, everyone wanted you can, to be like Xavi. Everyone wanted to be like Xavi. And you can even still see it today. You know, what do what does uh Water Milano say about flames? He says he says good in the Barcelona. So when he's saying <laughs> Barcelona, when he's saying Barcelona, he's not saying, you know, the Barcelona that we see today. That he's, you talking see today. About, he's talking Xavi about Xavi and Pedro and 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 Iniesta and David Villa. Those are the guys that he those are the guys that he's talking about. So I think to have like a system being so associated with uh, with your style of play, the way Tiki Taka was with with Barcelona, I think is is is, ma- is magical. And and I know I know all these different teams have different philosophies, but I don't think there's been a system that's been so clear the way Tiki Taka has been with Barcelona. So I actually think that Barcelona in itself has been the most exciting to me, like in my eyes. But they've also like revolutionized football um, to some degree, right? And the second team that I have here, now the rest of these teams are in no order. The second team that I have here is um, Antonio Conte's Chelsea, right? And this is because of, uh, I think Chelsea, Chelsea in this season, uh, I think it was one season or one and a half seasons, had the best application of the 3-4-3 that I have ever seen. It was a 3-4-3 that didn't feel tired. It didn't, it didn't feel overworked. It didn't feel rigid. Yes, I mean they had they had games obviously that you know they'll they'll be a dogging defensive team and just have five at the back, but they really were adventurous in this three four three. 
uh, Victor Moses since, came to life. Victor mm. Moses, Victor Moses came to life. Victor Moses and <laughs> Marcus Alonso were like were like the most dynamic players that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the streets, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the streets, streets the, the streets will literally never forget, right? And I think I think that what I like most about this formation is is three at the back is just so associated with defensive play, and I know and I know that um, a big part of Conte is team with this was was defensive right but in this you know big defensive um uh, mess the 343 is they still had room in there for Fabregas to be very creative still had room for William and Hazard to cause damage wherever they could and I and you can't forget like a pivot yeah and you can't forget that big man Diego Costa up front so I think three I think Chelsea's 343 um, just because it's the best application that I've seen of that formation, they won the Premier League with it. I don't know. Did Who they played right wing? Uh, they had Victor Moses. Victor Moses at right wing. Marcus Alonso. No, 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 no. Like as the front three. Oh, the front oh, three was so, Hazard, Costa, uh, and uh, must have been Willian. Willian. Must have and been Pedro. Willian. Pedro. Pedro oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Pedro. Had Pedro yeah. come yet? Yes, he had. Yeah, he was there. Oh, Willian. So, so yeah. So William. Yeah, William stroke Pedro. Yeah, not but, the William this... we see today. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. William. <laughs> mm. that, that was that was actually William. Yeah. So mm. uh, I I, th- I think Chelsea they've played in different in different ways, and you see Chelsea play three four three today, and they're probably playing three four three today. Um, we're recording on Tuesday, so they're probably gonna play three four three today, but it's just not the way that it was being played um, under Conte. There was some just fluidity. Add... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Conte has stuck with that system. And it's the same system he's, he's tried to implement at Inter as well. Yeah, but he plays it's just Conte style. Oh, okay. So it's like a 3-5-2 now. But it's still the, it's still the yeah. same back three, though. It's still the same he back He believes three, that yeah. back three. Mm. Yeah, to be, to be fair, I haven't I watched much just about of... personnel. Yeah, mm. I haven't actually watched much of Inter. Um, but, but yeah, I, 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 think that, I think that the way that Conte played in that season is actually maybe the reason why coaches today revert to this formation anytime that they're in trouble. Uh, I don't know whether it's a recipe for success or what, but uh, we've seen Tukel, we've seen Tukel come in and implement this formation like right away. I, I can't say for sure whether like it takes inspiration from this, but it's happened a lot with Chelsea teams. So They only um, won the league, I, by the way. You mentioned they only won Europe, the but they only won the league and they lost the okay. FA Cup to, to Wenger. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no problem. Mm. Let's move on. Uh, the next team or teams that I have here is Liverpool 2019 and Bayern 2020 uh, pressing football, right? Pressing high line or high defensive line football. Today I had training. Um, um, our league is starting in like the next two weeks and we're just doing, we're focusing like our game on, on pressing. And like the coach was, was there um, really using Liverpool as an example, like every single time, every single time, right? Now, I don't know how it is with like other people, with other people and other coaching. So I can't really say that this is revolutionary. I'm not saying that Liverpool is the first team to ever press, but I think that they did press with like a certain intensity over the, over the last two or three years. But, that but was, you can argue that was City... kind of like so new to the Premier League. Yes, I agree. You can argue I know City, City in the 100-point season. Mm. I agree. I know that City does this thing of win the ball within five seconds, within five yeah. seconds, you know, quick, quickly, mm-hmm. and then and then you know start mm-hmm. to recycle the play. But I think what I like, you know, why I've mentioned Liverpool and why I've put Bayern in the same category is the ruthlessness in attack. Right, as soon as they get that ball back, it's kind of like and straight. City, 
straight and city straight forward. <laughs> no, it's not city. City. city would take city would take like like sixty passes before uh, they get to the goal, man. No, in in their hundred point season. No, they city, yeah. they were a ruthless team as far as pressing was concerned. Literally, no that's, no it's not even just it's not even just passing. <laughs> if you had if you had the ball in your defensive half, you know the pressing that Pep Guardiola imposed was absolutely ruthless. As honestly, they they can be I'd in like that. To see their goal difference, let me check that quickly. Continue. Yeah, no, like I said, you you, you guys obviously uh, disagree with some of these things. I haven't included yeah. uh, City in in this because of the whole guys. I'm sorry to say it, but I actually think City plays such boring football. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's me. I don't know if it's me personally. I don't know if people I don't know if there are people who are listening who feel the same way. I'm I'm no, hardly ever true. gonna sit down and I'm <laughs> I'm hardly ever gonna sit down and just watch a city game. They have so much of the ball and I know that it's very tactical and it's very well thought they're out. They're always facing low blocks, you see. Yeah, and, and I and I know and, and so many teams do do you know face you know face those sort of adversaries as well. But then I just feel like City plays such boring football. And maybe it's just that they are so dominant. Maybe it's me hating because they're so dominant. And I know you never want to see a, a team that's that, you know, you never want to see a team that dominant, you know, be so successful. But I've, I've backed City, so I don't think that it's that. I just think that they're boring. Um, I think Liverpool is not boring. And I think Liverpool in that 2019 season where they won uh, the league and then the next year they won the Champions League, was it like that? I don't know. It's, it's in, in, in some Champions sort of league, order like league. that. Champions League and then league. Um, mm. I think that the way that they pressed, the way that they were ruthless, and the way that they were kind of just hungry to win, um, um, I, I, I don't think I had, I had seen that like like ever before in the last 10 years, right? With Bayern, the best example is that game with Barcelona. Made Barcelona feel absolutely small. Um, I know they only won 1-0 in the final, but there was really no stopping Bayern last year, right? So I know this is like not maybe such a revolutionary style, but but... Liverpool in that season and then Bayern in the next season, I think as a spectacle, I had never seen like teams being that hungry. Uh, maybe, okay, fine, barring Real Madrid, uh, Ronaldo Real Madrid, but I had never seen teams being that hungry, that physical, um, you know, that confident even. You know, you just think of that Alfonso Davies run um, um, against Barcelona. It's just incredible, bro. So um, to add, I've discovered, I found out now, City scored 106 goals that season, conceded 26, goal difference of 79, and you're saying they weren't ruthless. I mean, I mean, 106 look, goals. Mm. I know, I, I know that they are, and I know that I know that City, like, like, uh, uh, so there's a commentator who once said that if you beat City one 0 uh, in this week, like if you're playing them next week, you should be afraid because they're gonna come and they're gonna hammer you. And it really was like that. City was City was coming like next week and beating you five 0 bro. I know that I know that they're a great team, and 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 I do sometimes like omit great teams on purpose because I feel like oh, we've just talked about them so much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. City just doesn't interest me that much. It doesn't excite me that much. I feel like there's nothing that I can say about City that hasn't already been overly glorified by every single other person. So yeah, okay. uh, that's on. my thing with Liverpool. Liverpool and Bayern and pressing. Uh, the next team that I have here is is Arsenal in their FA Cup winning season. Uh, so Arsenal Wenger's which, last which one? season. You know. No. <laughs> which one? <laughs> Look, the Arsenal fan in you is coming out. 
I've been trying to avoid this being AFTV, AFTV, Malawi, or whatever. <laughs> but the Arsenal fan in me is coming out. No, I've included this team because in this... So we played a 4-2-3-1 uh, with Ozil as the 10 and Alexis Sanchez playing either left wing or up front, depending on who's fit and who isn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I know that a majority of this had to do with kind of just individual brilliance, individual confidence. Uh, Alexis Sanchez at some point in that season... No, oh, yeah. no. What do you mean? What do you mean not okay. necessary? No, Sanchez, Sanchez was the best player in the league. There were there were definitely points where those sort of he was the best player in the league. Were entertained. Mm-hmm. AU. I'm not. I'm not here for those comments, Sorani. Ramzan. Ramzan. So this 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 Arsenal team that that you speak of. I'm not really sure whether this is. I don't really know, like, what do you mean by the style of, of these guys in particular? And I'm struggling to get that because I, I, th- I think the team that I would really associate with being a bit more revolutionary with style was when uh, I think 2010-2011 Arsenal, back when Wenger used to just put technical players, a technical three right behind Robin Van Persie. Now, for me, that was, although we didn't win trophies back then, but then I think that's where... That three was like, what? Fabregas, uh, Nazri, and... Yeah, Fabregas, Nazri, and Arshavin. Oh. Just, you know, just, or sometimes, oh. sorry, it, depend, it depends. Other times, he even, like, kind of brought it back when we won the FA Cup uh, against Villa, where he would put he would put Ramsey, he would put Carzola, he would put Sanchez, you know, right behind. Or sometimes he would actually put three CAMs, you know, behind the striker, Giroud, Ramsey, Carzola, Ozil. Like, right, you know, just put all your technical oh, yeah. players. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, just put all your technical yeah. players right behind the striker. I think behind the striker. I think no that's pace what, whatsoever. Pace whatsoever, but somehow that team would would just outplay you as far as football is concerned. Was, that was when Walcott yeah. was declining. Yeah, when Walcott was declining. So <laughs> it was, you know, I would I, w- I would say what you're trying to, you know, what you're trying to look for there is in that team, and that's kind of like what Vince when he wasn't having as many pacey and physical players. Yeah, I I agree with actually everything that you're saying. Um, I did I did overlook that team. I actually didn't even I didn't even think about it. Um, football in 2010 is a bit it's a bit hazy for me I do remember Van Persie playing but the, the big part of Van Persie that I remember is actually Van Persie going to Manchester United so <laughs> no. so, so, really? so, so I, I low-key I low-key hate Van Persie for that like I, I think I think he's a, he's a great player but I low-key hate him because, because he went to Manchester United and he started oh, I have so like, many yeah. memories of him at Arsenal <laughs> yeah but it's no problem because either way it carried on into like the 2014s you know so yeah. it, it, he, he kept on doing it Wenger yeah. So my so my, my Ozil and, and, and Sanchez thing, right, for, for, for Arsenal is I think that it highlighted two things. One is like the use of a number ten. Uh, and I know I it's it, it was a, a big thing at that time and has continued to be a big thing now. No one played where, a ten. Mm. Where okay, yeah, so yeah, so no one no one played a ten because at that time everyone was playing um um four three three. I mean some people were playing four two three one. Actually a lot of teams were playing four a lot a lot of teams were playing four two three one. Let me not say that. Let me scratch that comment. Okay. But but I think okay. that the use of, of Ozil in there um, um was just perfect. He was being really highlighted as 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 the best player on the team. I think towards the end of his Arsenal career, um, there was there was two things that changed. One was the whole conversation of there is no such thing as a number ten anymore. Um, a, lo- a lot of people saying that there is no need for, to have a player like that if they're just gonna um, be like a luxury player. We want everyone to be like hardworking and all that. Uh, so I feel yeah, like that started that to mm. when when that came into Arsenal. 
Now Oz was not in an environment that he could he could play his best football, right? So he was he got exposed. He got exposed because he couldn't. It's like it's like he couldn't mark. He was not that type of player. And then you are now making him do that. So I mean, obviously you're gonna opt for players that are that are uh, more suited to that. Um, I don't think that there was ever any change in quality in terms of in terms of him playing. I think uh, it was Wenger. Once Wenger left, Ozil was also finished. Yeah, um, but 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 apart from apart from just that, I think that um, in that season, and I don't know if that's the exact same season that James Rodriguez left Real Madrid. But I think that's the season where everyone everyone did start to divert and say that, oh, I don't think we need the number ten anymore. Everyone started going. Everyone started going in this. Um, let's have physical midfielders type of thing. Let's have three three guys or two guys that are going to be physical. Our creativity is going to come from either wide or up front. I think it was after that season because after that season, any thought of a number ten being like really good except Bruno Fernandes, like in the last two seasons, is really hazy to me. And there were there have been so many videos that you you guys and I've seen the TIFO videos that always that always say stuff like um the number ten position is done or why players like Nata and players like who are not yeah. you know, gonna succeed gonna succeed going forward. Right. So it was after this season. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. Because after that yeah. my memory is hazy. So why why yeah. I, I think why I singled out this season, Nicholas, is because it was the last time that I saw Ozil at his prime. And effectively, it was the last time that I saw the best number 10 that I've ever seen, you know, in, in, <laughs> in, 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 in his prime. Because after, after yeah. that, then I've only, I've only ever then been impressed by Bruno Fernandes. So I yeah. have singled out this team in terms of my eyes and what's been like, you know, a spectacle to me um, over the last 10 years. This season for me, um, Arsenal did play really good football. I don't know where we finished in the league. This is not that sort of discussion. I don't know how successful sixth, this actually was. Fifth. We finished sixth. <laughs> no, fifth, fifth, fifth. We finished fifth, okay. But yeah, One of them. Ozo was on fire that mm. season. And he and he and he was he's been on fire like um um in his spell at Arsenal. Like I give the man respect where respect is due. I'm never gonna talk about him again because people who listen to this pod probably know that I, I love Ozo. So I'm never gonna talk about him again. Um but yeah. <laughs> Arsenal that season, mwah, spectacle for me. And then the last team that I think, um, um, again, not maybe not revolutionary, but um, Big did just kind of catch my eye. No, I'm not going defensive. <laughs> <laughs> Big Sam's <laughs> team, Crystal Palace team that beat no, Liverpool no, no, no. four four two, <laughs> four four no, two, no, no. and take no, it up no. front. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going for that. I'm going to go for the big dark horses of the Champions League. The biggest dark horses of the Champions League in the last 10 years. Um, Ajax, that semi-final. I think they've gotten to the semi-finals, isn't it? Uh, that big the one, one they that they had. Spurs. Yeah, the one that they lost to Spurs. That big <laughs> one that they had where they, they, they beat Real Madrid and they, they beat all these other mm. teams. Um, mm. Again, Ajax, I know that uh, to people who have been watching football for a long time, Ajax is not a small team, but you know, uh, you know, and for, forgive me if I, if I, if me saying Ajax is a small team is something that offends you, but Ajax is a small team, right? And I think that <laughs> uh, the confidence that they came in with in that season um, is is some is something that again we've just almost never seen before, right? You've never seen before having a team filled with like. 19, 20, 21 year olds, the whole 11, not like one or two, right? But the whole 11 being filled with these sort of players and them excelling to this level. 
that's why like so many teams came and just picked them out, picked them out, picked them out. I think the only other yeah. the only other the team, um, yeah, the only other team and that I've left I've left them out and, and and maybe I just overlooked them was obviously Monaco in that other big season, right? But Monaco yes. at that time also had they had like some some experienced players. They had Falcao and they had uh, Fabinho. Uh, they had some. They had some other experienced players in there, but like mm. Ajax and this, I singled them out because of the youth that was in that team, right? Delict, I know, has not. Yeah, I know that Delict has maybe not gotten to the level that maybe people hailed him to one day get to, uh, and he 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 still could. He still could. The expectations were too high. He still could. He's. I don't know. I don't know what he. He's even twenty four years. He probably isn't even twenty four. No, no, no. He's like twenty one. He's like 20. He or should 20. be 20. 20. It's 20 or 21. Bro, that's that's crazy. This guy was leading a team into the Champions League. At 19. Final. He was like, 19 then. At like, at like 19 years old. Mm. It's it's absolutely crazy. And and it was it was just in the way that um that, that whole Ajax team worked together. You always hear stuff like um in your team you need to have you need to have like all these uh um kind of old old head sort of players. To calm everyone down, to make sure that the kids are not are not you know running around willy nilly. Which is Frankie true. De Jong, it's true, right? Frankie De Jong at that time was like nineteen or twenty, but was like completely bossing the midfield. Was playing like he's been playing for twenty years already. You know, I, it's it's again, it's just stuff that I've just never quite seen. So I think Ajax as a spectacle again uh, for me, not necessarily revolutionary in terms of their style of play, but as a spectacle, uh, as a, a team being young. Should be, you know, can can get up to those levels. Should be able to say this is a big game, but we're gonna play the style that we play, and we're gonna take it to the opposition. Uh, obviously, um, Leeds is not Leeds is not a, a young team, not necessarily, but they are like a relatively small team, and they've just done something similar in terms of taking the fire to the bigger teams. And it's 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 stuff that you know when you see it in football. It's just it's just kind of amazing, you know. You don't you don't really expect it, uh, and every time we see things that we don't really expect in football, uh, they're worth mentioning. So, yeah, this is not really like a it's not a ranking. It's not it's not a, a, a this is a this is the best team that I've seen in 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 ten years list, but it's just more of something that's been interesting. Uh, teams that I've liked to watch over the last ten years. Do you guys have any like teams that that I've like definitely missed out here that you think? Um, even like so, so do. Well, obviously, I'm still, I'm still stunned by the city omission, whatever that was. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> mostly, mostly because you know, you and me both. It, mm. I suppose, I suppose, you know, city does kind of tie into the Barcelona tiki taka philosophy. But then, I'm sorry, Pep Guardiola actually set down the land though it was oil money but they have set down the landmark as if you want to win the premier league this is a standard you're gonna to have to reach now before it would take yeah. far less to win the league you could win the league with 81 points with a hundred point team <laughs> with, with him at the helm with him mm. at the helm you have to go you have to go 90 plus most of the time as in literally as in it, it even kind of like shows as the you know united are second they're having such a good season, but wait, they're still not going to win the league, though they've been so good. But yeah, <laughs> I just, I just have to, I just have to say that <laughs> that's where I end my case. Is that all? Do you have, do you have any teams? Uh, quickly, just one team, really. The MSN Barcelona. I think that that was a a trio you can't ignore. Those guys scored tons of goals. 
uh, I think they did change the style of play. They revol- not rev- not revolutionized, but like they impacted how strikers now play. You now see Mbappe and or, or you see Mbappe and Neymar now, like Mbappe, Neymar, Icardi. They'll be they trying to them. be like. They'll be they trying to be, be everyone's trying to build oh. like an MSN. Everyone, you know, focus shifted oh, yeah, yeah. is now having yeah. a powerful front three. Everyone wants to have a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emery had Oba, Lacazette, Pepe. Of course, <laughs> <They want> to... <laughs> maybe, maybe in terms of goals, they're not up there. But the point is investment <laughs> in the front three. Yeah. Investment in the front three because of now looking at how many, how, how those guys impacted the game and how they work well together. So I think that yeah, true. And that, that, that was a really good team. Yeah, it was. Because of time, that's all I'll say. Yeah, and I think with that, then the only the only other team, um, um, or oh, okay, not the only other team, but just to add to your point, then BBC with Bill Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo up front is also a, a yeah, very similar. Yeah, as case. well, them too, them too, uh, them too. They, they, them, them too. But yeah, yeah, so um, you know, for this for this segment, uh, that's about it. Uh, tell us, tell us what what you guys think have been like the best teams that you've seen over the last ten years. Um, if you've been watching football for longer, that's even better. Maybe you have more, you have more experience than us. Um, mm. But yeah, glad to have you again for this week's episode. From me and the guys, hope you have a lovely day. Depending on whatever time you watch this, it's been great. Bye bye. <laughs>